Hey everyone, this is Ready, Set, Workflow, a show about how to actually get things done in business, software development, startups, and life. We are your hosts, Katie, Caitlin, and Tosh. And on today's episodes, we will be covering one of the last ceremonies within the Scrum framework, sprint planning. Today, we're going to get started with our question of the day. And today's question of the day is, what is the best reality TV show? I think this is going to be like a really intense debate. Very excited to see where this goes. I feel like I went first last time. Caitlin's really thinking hard about it. I wish I had more time. I can stall. I can tell some dad jokes. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, perfect. Caitlin, what is the best reality TV show? The best reality TV show by far is Bachelor in Paradise, 100%. I don't even like The Bachelor and Bachelorette seasons that much, but I force myself to watch them so I know all the characters for when they end up on the beach in Mexico for Paradise. Highly recommend. It's just really a shit show, which is great. So you're not team Bachelor Nation, but just team Bachelor in Paradise? Yep. Team BIP all the way. How do you feel about Wells being the bartender? I love it. He's great. I hope he has that job forever. He is great. All right, Katie, best reality TV show. I've got to go with Amazing Race, probably because I love it. It's also the one I want to be on. And I don't know that I've actually ever seen Bachelor in Paradise, so I can't speak to that. Maybe if I were to watch an episode, it would change my mind. Is it on right now? No. No, it's later this year. It's in like September, which is terrible, but we'll make it. You need to watch like 20 episodes too. You can't just like watch one. You have to really be invested for like the character development. I feel like the first two episodes of that show, you just want to murder every single person who comes onto that beach. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get, get used to it. Get some favorites going. All right. I'll go back to season one. Perfect. Watch it from the beginning. Binge watch it. On my next flight, I'll download all the episodes and just binge watch it. That'll be great. Ideal, honestly. You get to live your best life. Yeah. Looks like I better book an airplane ticket. All right. I think the best reality TV show is Real World. It's kind of like the pioneer. I think people might say like maybe Survivor was before, but I feel like it was like all around that same time. And to me, like those early seasons of Real World were just like, the best things ever. And then the amount of spinoffs that they've been able to like get from that has been just like amazing and really contributed to the amount of TV that I watch every week still to this day. You get the challenge. Now they've like really spiced up real world. It's like too intense now though. Like they like expose like all of your secrets. Oh, really? Like skulls. (laughs) They're like, Everyone has a skull in their closet, but I still think it is the best reality TV show because it kind of like started it all for me. I would always sneak watch it too when my parents were out, like gone. Yeah, it's definitely a great show. The other show that comes up that when I was thinking about it was Fear Factor. Very different than Real World. Oh yeah, forgot about that. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I could never do that. That's too scary for me. No. I never want to eat the gross things that you're inevitably going to get. Also, no, thank you. Ugh, 
or like be buried alive or whatever they do to you at this point. I don't even know. Yeah. Spiders crawling all over you. Great. And on that note. <laughs> also, actually, my friends and I, a group of, I don't even know how many, 20 of us, we all got assigned a contestant from the Challenge USA and whoever's contestant, randomly assigned one, whoever's contestant makes it all the way to the end gets 200 bucks or something. It's a pretty good deal. Wow. Yeah. Just leave it to chance. Thanks, Tosh. That was a fantastic question of the day. I now have my action items to go watch Bachelor in Paradise. On to sprint planning. So when we were discussing and prepping for our podcast, we weren't sure if we'd have enough content to fill an episode on sprint planning. And it's really because of how we run this particular ceremony. And after discussing our way of running sprint planning, we realized it does differ a lot from the traditional definition and ways that other people might do it. So we want to be sure to share with you guys our why and what in the way that we do our sprint plannings and then how it differs from a more traditional definition. So to kick us off, let's go, Tosh, if you want to kick us off with that traditional scrum definition, and then we can get into essentially how ours differs and why we do it the way that we do it. Definitely. Yeah. So the best definition that I found is from Atlassian actually, and they define sprint planning as an event in scrum that kicks off the sprint. The purpose of sprint planning is to define what can be delivered in the sprint and how that work will be achieved. Sprint planning is done in collaboration with the whole scrum team. Um, And then also agile recommends time boxing your sprint planning to a maximum of eight hours for a one month sprint. So if you're running a two week sprint, you would time box it to four hours. That's four hours too many. Yeah. Eight hours. Wow. It honestly just sounds painful at that point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we definitely do not do that. I think the biggest thing that I do agree with is it kicks off the sprint. Pretty much that's the only thing out of that definition that I actually align with. With that, that's obviously the the scrum definition. Let's get into why and how we do it. And maybe we can touch on a little later in the episode why we don't do some of those things that are part of that more traditional definition. Okay, cool. Yeah. So agree. Again, the only thing that I agree with out of the definition that I read is that the purpose of this meeting is to kick off your sprint. We do refinements each week. And I know that some scrum teams use their sprint planning as a way to do their product backlog refinements as well and estimate stories and review all of that. But we do really like to keep our meetings as specific as possible. The purpose of the sprint planning meeting and the way that we run it is again to kick off the sprint. And what we really just review are the start and end dates for the sprint, any holidays that are going to be on work days during that sprint time, and then any vacations that the team members have. So it's really just very, very tactical. It's all about logistics. What days are the sprints? When will we be working? Is anyone out of town? And we can come up with coverage if needed. After we kind of go through all of the very tactical day-to-day things, we also review with each team the themes that they will be working on. So it's not super specific of we're going to deliver these four tickets or stories 
but it's more, this is the goal that we're working towards. I'll jump into more my tirade against sprint commits later, but it's really just when is the sprint happening and what will the team be working on? When I was doing a little bit of research on sprint planning, I did see that Scrum Alliance updated their definition in the last couple of years and they removed, they didn't remove the word commitment, but they changed it to sprint goal rather than sprint commits, because it seems like there was a misunderstanding or misinterpretation of what they originally meant by sprint commitments. So changing it to sprint goal, I think with the intention of trying to make it so that you don't have to commit to a certain exact number, but that you do have that goal that you're working towards. And Tosh, what you brought up is we just, we essentially call it themes. So what is the theme that you're working on? Not even, not a commit and not even necessarily a goal, but what theme it is that you're working towards. Right. Clearly I need to read these scrum blogs more because I wrote down goals versus commits in my notes preparing for this. So I guess I got to go to the blog pages. I think also the biggest thing with saving time and not having it be four to eight hours is that that exact thing, not doing sprint commits. So not walking through every single ticket and determining what you're going to work on. You already have the prioritize backlog from your refinement that you did in the previous week. So you already know what you're going to work on. There's really no reason to walk through every single ticket in this meeting, just sticking with high level themes and making it more of a kickoff meeting. So getting everyone ready to, you know, push for two weeks post coming back after your retro and your demo. And then, yeah, just not spending so much time going through everything you're going to work on, just focusing more high level and keeping the meeting short, I think is key. The one thing we also do at the end of all of the planning is we have a quick daily standup after. We focus on planning the sprint, getting everyone aligned with what's coming up. And then we go through the same process that we always do for our daily standup and touch on every single story that's currently in progress so we can get a, a good idea of what the team's currently working on. This is much more of a Kanban or a Scrumbon style than like your traditional Scrum structure. But I think it just continuously gets the team cranking through st stories as quickly as possible. And we're also in separate time zones. And there's some pretty big differences in the times depending on the time of year. We have our sprint plannings on Monday mornings. We run our sprints in two-week cycles from Monday to the following Friday. So the Monday morning for one of our teams would be disgustingly early for me to start my day with. So it's nice to them have already a pre-set backlog that they can pull from to stories that are currently in progress. They're already working on instead of them waiting around on a Monday morning to figure out what they're going to have to start for the next two weeks. Yeah. And having that stand up at the end of sprint planning, number one, we really mean that this is a really short meeting. I think the calendar event for us is 30 minutes. So we're doing sprint planning and a stand up in that 30 minutes and schedule wise, that works out really nicely for us because on the Friday before sprint planning, we have sprint retro and the sprint review where we do a demo. So we're not doing a standup that day because there's already a lot of meetings going on and they're, you know, they're big meetings. No one wants to do a standup after those meetings. So instead of skipping two working days without a standup, so going from Thursday to Tuesday, 
which is a long time. You still get to do stand up at the end of sprint planning and get all those updates, talk about high priority tickets that, you know, really need to be worked on this sprint, et cetera, and get everyone ready to go. Totally. Something else that we don't do in our sprint planning either is assign tickets ahead of time. So I know in the traditional sense, you may commit to certain tickets as well as assign, pre-assign them. The argument there is that everyone has an understanding of what they are responsible for during that sprint. That's not something that we do. So maybe we can expand a little bit more on why we don't think that's a good idea. Number one, I think it would change probably 20 times during the sprint based on who's working on what. And, you know, something gets done sooner and the next priority item is ready to go, but it's not assigned to you. You know, you you just want the team to work on the prioritized backlog in the order that it's in, um, especially since we're not doing commits. It's, you know, getting as many things done as you can in the order that is given to you by product. So assigning is probably just unnecessary in my mind. Yeah. Assigning tickets or stories to specific people, I think just hinders the team overall. I understand when you're onboarding new developers or new people on the team, you may potentially want to give them easier stories to grab or bugs because you're really just fixing existing functionality. But once you kind of get past that part, if you always have your more your most senior or your most tenured developers working on the hardest and most complicated functionality and stories, the rest of your team will never, ever be able to get even close to caught up with their knowledge. So you're really just kind of siloing and pigeonholing people by assigning specific tickets to specific people. And I also, I, I mean, I feel like this is just the time to let it go. I hate sprint commits. I think it is, or sprint goals, whatever it is, however you want to say it. I think it is honestly the dumbest thing you could probably do with your team. It feels very unagile to me and not flexible. I am a sports person. So, you know, I try and wrap my head around, like, how would I communicate this to my team that I'm coaching or a team that I've played on? And to me, it's like, okay, you want to win the game three, zero, if you, if you win two, zero, you still won the game. And then if you win four, zero, I guess you exceeded, but you still won. But what I think happens is if once you hit that third goal, you're going to see people kind of take the foot, their foot off the gas and just coast through. And I think it actually hinders productivity in that sense. And again, on the flip side of it, if you do win the game 2-0, you still won. You still scored two goals. You didn't get the third. That doesn't mean you weren't successful. And so this idea of sprint commits and having to, to deliver a set amount of work or a set number of points or this feature in the next two sprints, whatever, however you do your commits, just feels so rigid and like a waste of time and energy. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. I always hear the argument that having commits and knowing your assignments, things like that are motivating. And in reality, it actually is demotivating. I love what you brought up, Tosh, around, right, if you're just, if you've already hit them, then maybe you're coasting after that. And so I guess the the question then is, okay, so if you're not doing these things that everyone else says that is motivating, having these sprint commits, what's the way that we can keep the team motivated? It's obviously called a sprint and not a jog or a meander. So how do we keep the sprint moving 
with a high velocity if you don't have those quote unquote motivational factors of commits? I don't know that sprint commits really are motivational. They feel or they seem more like mandates to me. So I would love to meet a developer who is like, oh my God, no, I cannot live without the commits. Please give me more of them. It's what feeds my soul. I don't know who really was like, this is the way to do it. I think tracking and reporting out on velocity is important. You can use that as a motivating factor for your team. You're working with professionals. Hopefully they want to deliver value and be a valuable member of the team. So reporting out that number, they know when they've had a less productive versus a more productive sprint. I think it's more about creating a team environment that's working towards a shared goal of constantly delivering value to end users, regardless of what that looks like in terms of points or stories. But if everyone's bought into that, then they don't need this carrot dangling at the end of a stick to achieve that. And since you know your velocity and you know, you know how many points make up an, an epic or a group of tickets that the business is, you know, really looking to get out to customers, you can still communicate deadlines to the business based on your velocity and your prediction on how long something is going to take to get done. But yeah, Tosh, to your point, not dangling the carrot still provides motivation and you can still communicate deadlines to people. I also think when you when you do sprint commits and you don't meet one of them for whatever reason, it's like the worst feeling in the world as a developer, just going into demo and retro, knowing that one user story didn't get done. Even if it's in the final phases of testing, it's probably gonna be done the next day. Do you really need that hit to morale because you know one tiny thing didn't get done that you planned on getting done and it's you know in the grand scheme of things, it'll be done four hours from now or one day from now. So yeah, no to sprint commits for me. Yeah, it's like more of a hindrance. I think the cons outweigh the pros. You can also celebrate wins and successes. So if a team hits their deadline or if they spend two sprints, maybe working on something really, really high priority and they're, you know they're putting in extra time and working around the clock to deliver that, that's a great time to have a team celebration of sorts. Maybe it's sending something to the office for them for lunch to enjoy. Since our team does work together, that's an option. Even giving them a day off or half a day off to take some time to recoup after a really intense period of work. To me, those are way more fun and a better celebration than at the end of your sprint review or in your retros being like, okay, cool. Yeah, we hit our commits. Go us. So we talked about themes, which is obviously something that we track in the spreadsheet we use. And it's funny because I feel like we use so many different tools for estimating and tracking user stories and whatever else, but we just use a regular old spreadsheet for sprint planning. And I think it's helpful. It's not even, you know, that helpful of a spreadsheet, but it's just being able to share your screen and show something and not just looking at tickets and user stories during this meeting for the kickoff makes it feel a little bit different. No one's like reading their stories or being like, oh crap, I need to give an update on that when we transition over to stand up. Everyone's just looking at the spreadsheet. You've got the themes there. 
um, in front of everyone's faces. You can kind of talk through them. You can edit in line if you, you know, if stuff is changing as you're discussing. And then I think the other thing we talk about is vacation days. I love Excel. I use it for pretty much everything that I possibly can, including sprint planning. So we have our sprint duration on there. And then each developer goes through, we go through one at a time, again, encouraging people to unmute and participate in meetings. We go through one at a time and just ask if anyone has any time off during the sprint. And then based on, you know, the number of days, half days, whatever it is, we can actually calculate out the number of developer days we have for the upcoming sprint. It's really not a complicated formula. It just takes your duration, multiplies it by your numbers of developers and then subtracts any PTO vacations, holidays that that are happening during that two week period. So that's how we track their vacation time. And then, yeah, the like extrapolate, I guess, the development days from there. Yeah, you get a really clear picture of, are there, is there a bunch of vacation this sprint? Cause it's all right in front of you and you're sharing your screen. Are there holidays or, or is this kind of a regular sprint with you know, 10 working days if you're doing two sprints, and then it's just the themes. And that's really, that's really all there is to this fancy spreadsheet. We also do use it to track our progress during the sprint. At the end, we take all of the stories that were delivered, all of the bugs that we work on and track them in that same spreadsheet. So it's a living artifact really of each sprint. It's a, it's just a snapshot of that two week period. And we create a new tab for every single sprint that we have. So it's really just a two-week snapshot that you can kind of peruse through if you want to get an idea of who was working on what, what was delivered. And then obviously we have some other formulas that then report out the velocity and we track that on separate tabs as well. But everything related to your sprint planning, so again, just the logistical side of it, and then what was delivered during that time frame is just tracked in a very simple spreadsheet. Okay, so the good thing is, obviously, this is probably one of our shortest podcasts because sprint planning is also one of our shortest routine ceremonies that we have each sprint. So keep them short, keep them concise. And the ready, set, workflow way is have a visual spreadsheets, whatever you want to use to track it, but have a visual for your team to reference to look at the logistics of their sprints. Come in with high-level themes. Again, absolutely no sprint commits. And follow it up with a stand-up immediately after your sprint planning to get the team aligned and ready to start the next two weeks of work. All right, great recap, Tosh. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on sprint planning. If you did, feel free to leave us a review or share this episode with your friends. You can also check us out on Instagram and TikTok at ReadySetWorkflow. Also, please don't hesitate to tell us what other topics you want us to cover in the future. You can drop us a comment or reach out on social media. See you next week.